Hello and welcome to episode number 275 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Good man, good. The uh, the countdown has begun. Yes, what's well, countdown till the uh, the end of the year? Yeah, like it, it's starting to feel like, you know, these are the um, last few. Well, it is, yeah. Like, this is one of the last sort of new movies that we're going to be covering. Um, we do kind of have a tentative schedule, uh, which we may as well get into now. Um, so, yeah, this is obviously, we're going to be discussing Black Friday. Um, and this podcast will be going live on Black Friday, which is a nice bit of synergy. Nice, um, nice. So, yeah, this is going up slightly later than usual. Um, And if you're listening to this sort of on the following week, um, there won't be an episode on that week, uh, you know, the 1st of December. Um, We will next return for Resident Evil um, as our last sort of big cinema horror of the year, um, which is very exciting. (laughs) Yes. Um, One that we're both looking forward to tentatively, um, but still looking forward to it nonetheless. and then, yeah, the week after that, um, the 15th of December, will be kind of our last normal show, um, which will probably be a ranking Wes Craven. It'd be a nice way to sort of end the year. Um, and then we have a little movie to go for for that one as well. Yes, we do it's indeed. A little bit near and dear to our heart. <laughs> yes, the one that will break the uh, the ranking system, which I'm looking <laughs> forward to. Um, and then the following week, uh, the 22nd of December, will be uh, the final one, the best of 2021 special, of course, where we uh, run down our top 10 movies of the year, as well as give out a bunch of individual awards. And just it's just a it's just a love fest, really, for all of our favorite moments and films of the year, which is always a joy because it's been a hell of a year. Mm. I think it this really year has. is going to be even more fun. Like, mm. you know, we've had a real return to horror, both theatrical and on demand. It's been a real good year, and I think it's going to be a great celebration show. Yeah, it's been such a varied year, which I've really enjoyed. Mm. And I also feel like it's such a year that suits us. Like, already thinking about my favourite films of the year, they really represent kind of our own specific tastes in horror, which Mm -hmm. I really appreciate. Yeah, Um, definitely. But, uh, yeah, we'll get into all that good stuff. So, yeah, that is the kind of tentative schedule going forward. Um, But, yeah, just one news item this week. Um, And I actually put this in here just for your benefit. Um, Because I saw this and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, It's always nice when kind of, you know, we we cover these movies, especially these smaller movies. And then we always want to keep an eye on these directors and kind of like, okay, what is going to be their next project? Um, And one of those movies was, of course, Anna and the Apocalypse. Um, yeah i had a feeling it was going to be this (laughs) um which of course this time of year if you've not seen this movie check it out this holiday and thank us later because it's fantastic on my permanent christmas rotation list yeah you'll be getting you'll be dusting out the blu-ray i will indeed i I haven't ever watched the extended version because i got the blu-ray kind of like springtime so i'll be watching the extended version for the first time (laughs) Um, but yeah the director john mcphail um I, Mm. i think he's only done that one movie um Mm. which was obviously in a huge undertaking um and was so impressive when you think about making an independent movie that kind of succeeds at being a horror movie a comedy and a musical um it's kind of mind-blowing and well yeah and he kind of took on this project mm. with kind of everything that happened with the original kind of writer and creator and and everything with that as well like Mm. you know when they passed away and so you know, it was a real crazy story when you delve into it. 
Definitely, and just super impressive from everyone involved. So I've always wanted to know mm. kind of what they're doing. And yeah, so John, we he's been attached to a new project. Um, this is courtesy of Deadline, basically reporting that he will be doing a movie called Dear David, or at least that's the name of this viral story that he is kind of um, making into a movie. Um, it's pretty interesting because I have seen this and I do remember seeing this right. on Twitter. Um, kind of the short explanation says... Um, on August 7th, 2017, uh, popular cartoonist Adam Ellis began telling the story of how a dead child was haunting his apartment and trying to kill him. Um, and that's basically where it started. Um, and I do remember that specifically, kind of seeing that online right. and, and being like, oh, what is this? This is weird. And it kind of blew up and everything. And it had some like creepy, you know, images with it and stuff. And then once you delve deeper into it, you kind of realize like, oh, OK, this isn't just like a random tweet that someone's put out, you know, there's a lot of care being put into this and they're clearly mm. telling like a long-term story through social right, media um so it's cool i always appreciate those things i always feel like they kind of tail off a little bit and don't really go mm. anywhere um yeah. but but they're cool nonetheless um and so yeah this is gonna be adapted into a movie and it's interesting because you know i'm like it it doesn't immediately scream horror movie to me. Like I say, there's a premise for, for sure, but like I'm curious. You're gonna you're gonna need a hell of a lot more content than just <laughs> a kid haunting you in your apartment. Um, and yeah. also, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I mean, you could make a let's just say to make a good horror movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to say, that's exactly what you need to make a horror movie. <laughs> that's but, true. <laughs> but I would assume, I would, I would at least hope and assume that with John being attached to it, it is something mm. substantial. Because like I say, he's been quiet for a few years. And with him juggling so much with Anna and the Apocalypse and yeah. doing that so effectively, if he just made like a small movie that was just about a kid in an apartment, I mean, th- again could be fantastic you know like host yeah. on on principle is a very simple idea executed yeah, very well we've heard, we've heard we've heard and seen very many times mm. so like either way like obviously um, we're not passing judgment on the actual project but i i just wanted to put this in here because i think it's extremely exciting just seeing yeah, this guy do something yeah, um definitely. and i knew you'd be interested in it <laughs> oh yeah i'm buzzed like that's that's cool because yeah like i say that anna and the apocalypse is one of the kind of standout movies of the last couple of years of a movie that just spoke to me on an incredible you know level where i just really loved it then when i kind of heard about what the film kind of was and when i you know it all kind of unfolded where i was like oh okay this was a short story that, that you know short film that a student film and watched that and then heard what happened and you know kind of everything and it just really became a movie that yeah, I've attached myself to, and and every every Christmas now, it's it's on my rotation to watch. Yeah, without it's, fail. It's, it's I don't so I don't know good. when that will stop either. <laughs> like it really does feel like a permanent fixture because I just love it. I, I absolutely love the songs. I love I love the horror. I love the characters. Like yeah, I really want to see like those actors appear in more things as well. Mm. Yeah, it's one of those uh, real success story. Like say mm-hmm. one of those few because um, it is a British movie as well, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's kind of yeah, it just ticks all the boxes. It's so fantastic. Um, and yeah, wish them well on their next project. Um, but yeah, that is it for the news. Um, also, we should say we're going to have like our, our traditional kind of TV talk at the end. Um, yeah. We'll definitely do a a spoiler filled Chucky chat right at the end as well because Chucky's there may just. Have- <laughs> oh chucky man it's um, just fantastic i love it so much and i want to talk um, about it every week there may have other there may have been another movie as well which fans of the show might be interested to hear a hot take on 
And yeah. you might be interested to hear a hot take on. We'll, Maybe, we'll yeah. There's some some kids' movie came out that apparently you want to talk about, but we'll we'll get to that. <laughs> <laughs> so easy to trigger you. Um, but yeah, shall we talk about this week's film? Let's let's talk about Black Friday. So yeah, this was one that kind of I've been looking forward to for a while. Um, you know, we as talked as we about heard it, it was a thing. Yeah, like it just kind of dropped in the news around this time last year. It was kind of when they announced it, and I believe they shot it during Black Friday last year. Um, and yeah, kind of it. It's one of those not, things not where. Sure why. <laughs> No, it did. Yeah, it doesn't really need to be at all um, because there's not like a huge amount of kind of crowds at shops. Um, but we'll get into that stuff. But um, mm. yeah, kind of just the initial premise when you hear about it, it's like it's one of the few kind of holidays, especially because it's such a more recent holiday that has really taken uh, you know charge over the last decade um you know with the rise of like especially online stuff as well but just like yeah the whole retail havoc and kind of everyone going crazy for sales and it really does write itself and for a horror comedy you know kind of what i initially imagined when this was announced was so close to like the first trailer of like oh and it's obviously with with when you add bruce campbell as well like that immediately adds to it a certain type of film which like if you're a fan of you're gonna be you're gonna want it (laughs) a certain level of b horror movie kind Mm. of you know that that you you then are expecting at that point like um yeah yeah when we then get the trailer it's kind of like oh yeah that's exactly what they want and what they're going for yeah for Um, sure yeah definitely so yeah what, Um, what is this movie about so yeah, I mean, you touched upon it there as well with the cast. Obviously, this this stars Bruce Campbell, but that's not the only kind of very familiar face that's mm. in this movie. We kind of have um, our lead two characters are kind of Devin Sawyer, who um, you know has has we've spoken about him recently that he's kind of had a comeback to the genre since mm. like you know almost like a twenty year hiatus because he was kind of the lead in Final Destination and Idle Hands mm. um, and kind of. You know, they were right around movies, 99, so 2000 and like he was awesome. And then, yeah, kind of like haven't seen him in anything for so long. And was this the movie that, that made us start talking about him or was it something else? I can't even remember. It might have been this movie. Well, it was probably um, this movie in terms of in the news. And then, yeah. yeah, obviously we saw him in Hunter Hunter right at the yeah. start of this year. Um, and then obviously we've been seeing him every week in Chucky as well. So mm. <laughs> we've been seeing a yeah, lot of him kinda, recently. Kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, and then also Ryan Lee, who we've we've seen in kind of a, a lot of things. We've seen him in kind of Super Eight, which is you know non horror, but also Goosebumps, which you know is is non horror, but we watched it and like kind of really enjoyed that back in the day. I think we did speak about it quite a bit on the, yeah. the show as like a really good a gateway for that. And he's kind of the was he Champ, I think, or something like that. And I think it's Champ. Yeah. In that. Um, so wait, is yeah, he is he the like um, the guy who's kind of got like OCD in this film? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He's like washing. Yeah. Sometimes his hands. Constantly, yeah. yeah. He's like the goofy best friend from Goosebumps. Right. Yeah. Um. And yeah, he's also in Super Eight. And so yeah, like because it's crazy because obviously like yeah, he's just much more grown up now because he's I think he's like twenty four, twenty five. Hmm. Um. At this point, so so yeah, kind of you know 
not not so much of the goofy kid anymore but i throughout the movie i was like god i recognize him and then eventually kind of figured out where i recognized him from yeah i think i think it might have been when he screamed (laughs) (laughs) yeah um but yeah black friday is basically kind of um a group of toy store employees uh they basically work for toys r us um but i can't quite remember what they what are they toyland or we love what toys we love toys that's it <laughs> yeah um but effectively toys are us they work for and they basically um must kind of as black friday they're prepping the store getting ready for black friday and some sort of weird parasite is starting to infect people and you know pretty zombie like but they're not really mm. zombies it's kind of a bit a bit of like a bit like um uh dead alive almost kind of how they are they're kind of like well, i guess they're more zombies even but it's kind of like these infected but they're not necessarily zombie but they do have a lot of those tropes i think you know if you get bitten you turn into these things but they're kind of following a bit of a different pattern as well but basically mm. these store employees uh trying to protect each other from the shoppers who have uh right in now in a different sense because they're all infected and uh going a bit homicidal mm. um and yeah i mean that that is it in a nutshell it's pretty goddamn straightforward i think this movie you know doesn't doesn't fuck around with its original premise and with the actual movie itself you know it gets going pretty quickly yeah um yeah, I couldn't believe once, once like, it kind of shit hits the fan and you mm. kind of get, like, okay, you're yeah. in the store, shit's happening, go. It's, like, less than 10 minutes. I think it was when I, 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 like, paused it when shit was proper going down, and I think it was, like, 12 minutes. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy, and it, it really does start at a pace, which which I definitely respect. Um. And... And yeah, I mean, I guess do you want to do you want to go into your thoughts on this one? And then yeah, we... I mean, you know, this is a movie that there are certain times when a movie just lands, and you hope that it's like the thing you want at that time. You know, we spoke yeah. recently with like Antlers, how it probably just wasn't yeah. the movie I wanted. You know, it was the it was the right movie, but at the wrong time. Um, and this was for me the right movie at the right time. Um, it delivered on like everything I wanted it to be, really, in terms of like just a dumb, goofy comedy horror. Mm-hmm. Um, um, where yeah it doesn't outstay its welcome we we talked again you know with um uh demonic last week how it was like w- once you have like an okay movie that's 20 minutes too long that can become a bad movie and i think this is like a great movie but it's it's under 80 minutes which is literally perfect for a, a comedy it's horror i think it's going to get bonus points it's so hard to to like be like okay it's going to be this but it's a hundred minutes to 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 maintain a consistent quality for a comedy horror for that extra 20 can really make or break your entire film and so i do think that is like a massive positive choice that they're like no we're not going to drag on or anything like that we're Mm -hmm. just gonna we're gonna come in deliver what you want and get out and yeah i loved it for that like they they pretty much nailed everything where I, I liked all of the characters to varying degrees. Um, kind of once it goes down and you kind of start to see the kind of different relationships in place, once you kind of get like Bruce Campbell really involved with the group, um, all of that stuff was fantastic. And yeah, they all just had a lot of different things going on. Like I thought, like I say, there wasn't a wasted character in the group where 
it was that really good mix of like, okay, here's the ones that are really well written versus here's the one who's here for a couple of cheap laughs and then they'll get killed off pretty quickly. Yeah, but they play a pretty strong stereotype. Yeah. And you you need that in, in a movie like this where, like you say, as long as they get in and they do their job, which is get a couple of laughs and then die it's like that's great and you know there are actually a couple of characters not to get spoilery but i feel like they could have been in it a bit longer um maybe we can get to that later on but yeah for the most part i feel like the the structuring of kind of when certain characters were off was like pretty much spot on for me in terms of what i wanted from the movie um as far as the comedy i thought it was fantastic like it wasn't the funniest movie i've ever seen but like in terms of a comedy horror there was definitely more than multiple occasions where i was proper laughing out loud um you know easily sort of four or five moments that really got me during the duration of the movie which i think is like all you can really ask for and then even when i wasn't like proper laughing at it i was still just like i had a smile on my face and i was enjoying what was going on on the screen um i thought the horror was great as well like that was a thing that kind of from the trailer really surprised me because i thought maybe they would just totally lean into the comedy um and almost like the horror would just got to disappear but like i thought some of the effects were pretty fantastic in this like a lot of the creatures were really good um and it's it definitely toes that line of like the creep show line of you know it's it's trying to be goofy with some of its effects there's like this weird sort of tentacly gooey effect yeah. that they use a few times that just looks so stupid but again it, it tonally it fits with what this movie is um and yeah the, like i say going into this movie i i really was in the mood we're, we're we're towards the end of the year now and i just wanted a movie that i didn't really have to stress about and think about plot and and think about kind of all of that serious stuff just switch off my brain and have a good time for for 80 minutes and this is exactly what it gave me. Like, I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm on a similar level to you. I probably didn't enjoy it quite as much, but I definitely still enjoyed it. And it definitely delivered on what I want. I think kind of when I look back at this year, the, the sort of movies like this that I've really enjoyed have really stuck with me as well. You mm. know, obviously we talk about Psycho Goreman every week. Um, but I think Slacks is a movie that yeah. as the years gone on, like... I've really appreciated because I just had a blast during it. And this is very similar. Um, obviously way more traditional, this movie with what the killer is, but um, you know, just playing that comedy horror. I think the comedy didn't necessarily make me laugh as much as you, but it, it did the right things. It made me snigger in a good way multiple times and made me, you know, have, have a slight chuckle and then carry on with the horror I think the the way that the the creatures looked, they're all very varied. You know, the, I think, you know, that was part of when I was synopsizing the movie was that I feel like zombies is almost a bit too cheap because mm. they are that each one of them are their own creatures. You know, um, uh, I really did get a lot of dead alive vibes from kind of especially when we get to the finale, but just in general with like the creatures and how they kind of mutate in and and um you know uh every one of them looking different and yeah i really think they they worked in that respect and and like you said i think the horror is is pretty damn good and and it's all just pretty pretty damn good i enjoyed the cast a lot i think i i think my biggest thing was i was left a little bit unfulfilled with my bruce campbell like really i think yeah i I didn't find him like I normally find just him hilarious in everything mm. he says, 
and he wasn't in this. I feel like I, I was waiting for that moment for him to become full Bruce Campbell, and I and I felt like he was at seventy percent for the whole movie, and I and I and I, I thought he was going to unleash it. He has this kind of moment, and I thought, oh, he's going to go like. And again, like I didn't, I don't need him to do this, but I almost felt like he was going to go half ash. But in the end, he's still playing it very subdued. And I, and like I said, I don't necessarily need him to be ash, but he wasn't. I, I didn't see his face, and it didn't make me laugh or like it normally does when when he's in things. And so, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't my favorite kind of Bruce Campbell, but then with the other cast around, it made the movie. You know, the movie was enjoyable, and he he was still enjoyable. Don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't kind of. That you know, I, I I expect I expect more from a Bruce than, than what I, we got. I definitely agree that he was restrained, but I was really expecting that going in, like seeing the character he was playing and like the way he looked. Um, you know, with his like little sweater vest and his bow tie. I, I kind of knew. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of like, okay, he's going to be the anti-ash in the sense of like mm. ash is the anti-hero and he's somehow going to be anti that where he is like i love the first kind of moment that he's in peril and he just he just oh, fails completely behind. i love yeah. it i love it when you first see them break out and he he fully hides behind someone yeah, yeah and like, I, I knew that that was clearly purposeful because the, the the movie wants to differentiate it yeah. is they're not like oh yeah we got ash you know and so yeah. i really did like that part but i agree with you that he is so reserved that you know he can be he can be such a goofball like Mm. we all know that and so you do get some level of goofiness and i still really enjoyed him in this but yeah i don't think this vehicle is designed to be like a bruce campbell movie if that makes sense he is very much a supporting member i think with what his character was if he had to become full ash that would have felt weird but i needed him to be funnier i think and kind of especially with looking at you know what we know bruce can do he could have been really goofy in that role and funnier and it was he was almost one of the straightest edged characters in the whole movie mm. yeah which he was. is just it's strained to to cast bruce campbell for and then be like oh yeah you're gonna be the straight edge person listen the man's got imagine, range all right let him I, do I something else i can't imagine at this point in his career he's really like do you know what I'm, <laughs> i want to show like my depth like well, I he think did. He's found, yeah he has <laughs> but he's, he's found his niche and i feel like he's fairly happy with it <laughs> yeah i don't know i i, I like I say i agree and i disagree where like he is more restrained this isn't a oh my god vintage bruce campbell performance mm. it just isn't but i i appreciate it for that where i'm glad it isn't just oh it's my name is bruce again like it's it's not that he's not like full on you don't want my name is bruce too listen of course i do all right i've signed a petition but like okay. he this isn't that all right this is black friday like it's it's his own thing and i like bruce campbell in this movie is what i think i'm trying to say like mm. he is he's a different type of role it is more reserved i do think this isn't a movie that you should see for bruce campbell like yeah. it's a movie that you should see because it's a great film and then like bruce campbell's great in it but like it's not there for like the bruce campbell diehards i would say i was going into this wanting it to be a bruce campbell show and it ended mm. up being yeah a better movie 
but less of a Bruce Campbell show. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I could have done with a worse movie, but a better <laughs> Bruce Campbell show because I'm I'm all about the My Name Is Ash. <laughs> oh yeah, because we're we're broken. Like, like yeah. that's the thing. Like, yeah. like I, say, I can see <laughs> it from both. <laughs> like, I can see it from both spectrums because it's like, well, if you're yeah, if you're the diehard Bruce Campbell fan, you don't care about quality. <laughs> like, you just no, want you're, fun. you're beyond you're beyond that at this point. <laughs> yeah. So like, I totally see the fun and joy in that. Don't get me wrong. But then yeah, when he's in an actual legit good film as well. I'm happy for that as well. <laughs> no, I'm not. I feel uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just not used to it. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think it's right for Bruce. I don't think it, it, you know, it's disingenuous to his other movies at that point. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of movies that we've seen Bruce Campbell in over the years where you're like, my God. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, exactly. And so I just feel like it's not fair to those movies. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to be more sensible with his, uh, you know, with his filmography at this point. He's got to watch himself. I know. What was he you doing know, being in a good movie in twenty twenty one? Like, you know, <laughs> it's already, you know, it's it's already worrying. Like that he was in that amount of Sam Raimi movies. Like it's he, he can't he can't have real acting, you know, credits to his name. It's just not going to work with his persona. Just wait for Doctor Strange next year, mate. Because Bruce Campbell's joining the MCU. We all know it's going to happen. So. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to appear in uh, Spider-Man, let's be honest. Like, yeah, maybe Spider-Man. I, I, I was a slight tangent just because we're going all in on Bruce Campbell, but then we really should talk about this movie. I, I, I'm glad that I've stayed in that narrative this way. I, I literally watched um, the original Spider-Man last week. And it, yeah, it's every time when it's like his whole shtick and obviously him coming in, coming up with the amazing Spider-Man. It's yeah, just, it's so it. fantastic. I love that yeah. sequence. But yeah, th- this movie's great. Canon for the MCU yeah it should um, Spider-Man. What, one thing as well like about this movie that i did really appreciate because you mentioned slacks and it was one thing that really reminded me of that of like how in slacks the early conversations totally nailed like the obnoxiousness yeah. of like fashion world um yeah. mixed with like some part of retail but it was very much because it's high-end retail that they're, they're they're kind of um you know st- uh you know the things that they were trying to break mm. down were you know fashion whereas like this movie is straight up like retail and retail yeah. hell because that's exactly what black friday is all about like yeah. workers that are getting paid minimum wage they're shafted, getting, not getting yeah, their pro- bonuses. Yeah, promised bonuses promised overtimes people are then going to get let off in january like the whole system sucks and um it's only there to kind of abuse the workforce and i think that this movie like say in these small moments where it's, it's not the whole point of the movie the, the movie's a laugh and a good time and it's a fun comedy it's, horror it's but those moments of dialogues are great like they're really good like the yeah. early stuff with bruce campbell being an absolute dick the kind of supervisor guy who is being really mean to uh chris um and kind of like bullying him and making him work on the till and then he's making him clean up sick because he knows he has like a problem with germs and just all of that stuff is so well done where it is just it's so reflective of the workplace and it's one of the better versions i've seen on on film really of just nailing that kind of like every every level is broken from the top to the bottom and every person above the other person is just trying yeah. to abuse their power as much as they possibly can um yeah, i, I that, thought um, it was great it was that netflix movie what was it the the 
Oh, the prison one. Uh, oh, the where platform. They, the yeah. Platform, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you, you're like, why is this guy pissing on me? And then five minutes later, platform. you're pissing on them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're, well, then you then you start pissing on the person below you. You're like, why yeah. do you do it? Well, because the guy above me did. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly what retail is. And I think, like, like we've said a lot of times, though, I think this movie does nail this message of what's negative about Black Friday, retail, and working in retail, and all of that. But it's not the driving force of the movie. It's not mm. its sole purpose. And I think kind of, um, you know, again, that's that's what it when it's great, because it's like, no, we're going to make a fun movie. But actually, if you want to actually look at what we've got to say, we've, we've got we've actually got something to say as well. And what we've got mm. to say, we kind of nail. Yeah, um, I, completely, so, I thought it nailed everything, literally, like everything mm. they were saying about retail. Like I say, we talk a lot about with like the social messages of horror because it's such a big thing these days. You just can't really ignore it. And I think yeah. this is one of those examples of like this weird, stupid comedy horror shouldn't yeah. have such good social commentary. And it does. And it, and it just goes to show you that when you see certain things that mm. are solely made for the purpose of the message that completely fail to be a decent movie in any way, shape or form, well, we it just makes those movies even more. Week, yeah. It gets it just makes those movies more embarrassing as well. Mm. I think. Whereas, like those the the antebellums of this world, where they're yeah. just they, they and like that godforsaken Black Christmas movie, where it's like oh, they're man. they're so bad. Just they're such pieces of shit as a film, and then it's mm. like, oh, but we're gonna crowbar in all of this unnecessary stuff. Whereas then you get stuff like this that's like, yeah, you can completely ignore all of the social stuff, and this is still a great movie. But then I was, it made it even better for me. The thing that makes me laugh is just so many people don't talk, you know, no one's ever going to talk about a movie like this to, to about its message mm. because they're just going to see it at surface level as a dumb movie, mm. you know, and it's just like it is, it's just so, you know, it's frustrating really that, that you know, when a movie does actually show intelligence, but it's like, you know, you look at, you look at something like uh, Shaun of the Dead, mm. you know, that that is this incredibly intelligent movie that's just, you know, it's made incredibly dumb because it wants to be a dumb, fun movie. And like, you know, I'd imagine so many people poo-pooed that when it first came out until it became undeniable that you had to kind of acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it just shows that like, you, you know, people do just judge a book by its cover, I guess. Well, it's so hard to effectively make these great movies that that's kind of your tone because, like I say, mm. nowadays with the rise of the internet, the rise of kind of social media and kind of everyone being a critic, it's it's a lot easier to make your movie to shoot for, I guess, the highest ground and yeah. be like, we're going to be we're going to be so, uh, you know, 2021 on all of our views. We're going to have this. We're going to have that. And I think when you make a movie like this, that is, you know, it's it's goofy and zany but i think to pull that off you can't like i say shawn of the dead is a perfect example um and like psycho gorman is another great example where it's like it's goofy and it's dumb but it's not made dumb it's made by geniuses because to make a movie that dumb that that's great you have to be a genius and so i do think that like those types of movies will never get the credit they deserve it's it's when you talk about a movie like dumb and dumber outside of Mm. the genre like Dumb and Dumber is the epitome of geniuses trying to make a movie where they're acting as dumb as possible. Yeah, you know, and two two actors at the height of their game just mm. doing the dumbest shit ever. But like it's, you know, I've seen it where there it hasn't landed with me those sorts of comedies, and and you know, I just think it's really dumb and doesn't work, and people do love it. Mm. Um, you know, and when when it's something like Dumb and Dumber that does land with me as well, you just appreciate the genius behind being stupid. 
Yeah. And like I say, there really is. And I, I do think that there are there are multiple genres. I mean, we're literally talking about the one genre every week that will never get the yeah. credit it deserves. Just yeah, I, don't, I don't even know why, just because it's horror. But there's but, one that gets shat on more. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, you bring in comedy into the mix, and yeah, it, it's it it's almost shat on as much. And then it's like, well, comedy horror. You know, the best yeah. of both worlds. If you if you don't want to get any respect for your movie, make a comedy horror. Make a comedy horror. Um, and yeah, that's why, like, you know, when these the classic, like Shaun of the Dead, is is a classic like i say is mm. one of the greatest movies ever made um and it's a comedy horror and so yeah psycho Goreman, like i say it's been a strong year for this sort of mm. stuff because yeah. yeah slacks was a real fun movie as well um and i think this one is really really good i just had such a fun time with it yeah like i say it's not a movie that needs to be kind of like dissected in terms of plot and characters and stuff I, it was just a great time but i think um, the thing about it is is that you know the plot is that simplistic and it is just a case of can you have a good time with the runtime it's given us you know it's not trying a, it's not even trying to give you a start middle and end you know in terms of a full narrative it's just like no we're just gonna have these people trapped in a place who cares why the outbreak's happening it's black friday and everything sucks and everyone's gone mm. mental and <laughs> then we're just gonna have a really fun time a really crazy ending and the movie the movie will just abruptly end as abruptly as it starts because it just it doesn't want to fuck around with your time it just wants you to have a good time while you're checked in you know you don't need to be like oh well when's black friday 2 coming out Mm. you know it's just a case of no this is just a fun ride like you know we don't we don't need to see every character and what happened to them all we just enjoyed what we had i also appreciated what they did with kind of the 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 bad guys the villains whatever you want to call them like because mm. i do think it, they could have just made it a lot simpler and just gone for like the most generic zombies, zombies yeah. possible and that would have been fine but i think as soon as they kind of have them similar to zombies but then like I say i mean immediately they have like a purpose yeah. which i think immediately adds an interesting dynamic to zombies where it's like oh, okay they aren't just that mindless creature that is just trying to you know feed on brains it's like oh no they actually have an end goal in mind and so not only are you trying to avoid them or kill them and survive but you're also having to stop them from completing the said goal they and so were... i think that adds a really cool dynamic well i think as well there's a message there about black friday because part mm. of me was thinking like this this outbreak seems to be happening everywhere yeah is everyone being infected and doing this or are these shoppers now hoarding in their infected form and hoarding mm effectively people as opposed to items like it kind of made me think like you know maybe if maybe if you could cut to another part of town and you know i don't know where the hell you've gone to but what, whatever and that they're acting differently yeah because you know is it that is it that black friday mentality that's causing these people to react this way whilst infected yeah. um it would have been fun to see perhaps one of the workers like acting a bit differently or something yeah um yeah, yeah like, sure. I think I think as well, like uh, one thing I was going to just reiterate that you touched upon was that um, I think they, you know, we've got a core cast of well-developed characters, pretty much everyone like I don't necessarily know their names or remember their names, but I definitely remember their character. Mm. Um, and they they, you know, they do get rid of people at a, a pace that caught me off guard at times. Characters lasted some lasted longer than i expected some last went way quicker than what i expected and i think like that as a you know when when you've got a movie that's clearly designed to have a decent body count and and designed to kind of be that kind of fun movie you do quite often get it by the numbers where you could almost pause it and be like right 
these characters are dying and probably in this order and you'd be pretty accurate but this movie mm. does throw a little bit of a curveball there you know nothing nothing crazy but enough that just kept me on my toes you know yeah where... well i think it's, it's a strength to the characters because yeah. yeah there's at least one character where i was like oh man like they're gone this early i was like mm. enjoying them and i was shocked at how early they went out <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah i definitely think that's another kind of plaudit to it but yeah fun time for sure i think as far as recommendations go like yeah i highly recommend this if you're in the mood like i was for just a dumb comedy horror this is definitely one that you should watch and obviously it's the perfect time of year to watch it and what i will add to that is like i wish this was had gotten a bigger release yeah. because it's gonna go under the radar as just like a you know a rental and i honestly think like netflix would have been the perfect home for this because you want to just get it out to as many people as possible. And I think with the amount of horrors that they've had this year as well, they already have like a fairly decent audience when it comes to kind of watching horrors on Netflix. And that's, and that's why I wouldn't recommend this for something like Shudder. Don't get me wrong. I would love it to be on Shudder. But yeah. I think that audience is so niche and very much just want horror movies. Whereas just getting this in front of as many people, like say if you switched on Netflix on Friday and you saw a movie called Black Friday, I bet a ton of people would just give it a shot. And I think this, they'd have a really good time of it this feels like a really top tier one of those netflix movies when we talk about babysitter and mm. those sorts of movies you know this feels like one that we would have we would have championed a lot more and when when you look at it it does feel very netflixy in its kind of you know its runtime the the way it could be marketed and everything else like it yeah it does feel like one that deserved a, a bigger release than what it got yeah all this would need was like three or four licensed songs added to it and it'd feel like a netflix yeah. horror <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess you'd but recommend it as well. Move it down, chop suey, and uh, job done. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely, I'd recommend it. I think, um, as you said, I think it's the perfect palate cleanser for this time of year. Mm. Like, we've watched a lot of movies. We're getting towards year end. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to have to deal with like a midsummer right now, and then have <laughs> to like quickly digest it for like, what does this mean for horror? You know, it's like, mm. oh, no, this this movie's not moving the scale for horror as a genre. It's just a really fun movie to put in the horror box. And, yeah, one you should definitely check out and have a fun time with. Yeah, because it was like one that looked like we might have been getting towards the end of the year was Titan. Yeah, and I was like, right. I'm, yeah, I'm not ready for like a hardcore, like subtitled horror movie right now. Like, well, I'm, remember, I'm so excited for that movie, but I'm not ready yeah. for it right now. <laughs> I remember Lighthouse was a movie yeah. that we were like, oh, Christ, like we could probably try to like cram <laughs> this in on the 15th of December or something. And mm. it was like, I'm not ready to watch that. And like, we, we thought that just from the trailer. And I'm so glad because, my God, could you imagine watching that at year end? yeah not a chance like when once mm. january hits i'll have my monocle ready and my cigar ready to yeah. like yeah, look I'll, be at ready, the I'll be ready to horror again. again yeah but right now i just yeah i don't want to be watching possessor right now like, <laughs> <laughs> no for sure um but yeah that was our discussion on black friday we will take a short break and we will be right back So, yeah, I mean, where, where do we want to start? Because I know we have a lot to get through at the end of this I podcast. Can't, I can't hold it in anymore. Oh, with, God, you're going to take up all the time with Ghostbusters. It's, it's the review that really people are tuning in for. I mean, Black Friday was fun, don't get me wrong. Mm. But there's there's a certain movie that, that some some people are going to think they're too good to 
watch and they're going to ignore it and just pretend it doesn't exist. But there are a lot of people out there that realize Ghostbusters Afterlife came out and it's a thing. Mm. And I still so haven't seen it. The fourth Ghostbusters, you're going to have uh, to rank them afterwards. Uh, you are incorrect. Uh, three. <laughs> this is um, this is Ghostbusters three. Um, Let me just check. Hang on. Uh... You, I mean, if you want to, if you want to start putting fan fiction and fan movies <laughs> in, it's up to you, bro. But um, I mean, it's just called yeah. Ghostbusters, so like it must be. I mean, it's probably the the, the most marquee Ghostbusters. Like if it's just called that. It? Yeah. it probably um, yeah. But yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I have now seen it, and um, I had a blast. <laughs> I of course you did. It, it it completely lived up to my hope and expectation for what it was. Like I had fun. I laughed out loud multiple times. I think kind of Paul Rudd is playing Paul Rudd in this movie, but I'm not bored of seeing him play Paul Rudd. So that's all he can do at this point. <laughs> correct, but I'm not bored of it yet. And like it was fun in this Ghostbusters world. I think um where where this movie um gets gets incredibly strong is mckenna grace who um really really stands out because obviously we know that kind of like from the trailers finn wolfhard and, and mckenna are kind of the two children that, that are kind of centered around um you know the the whole kind of you know retelling of ghostbusters and kind of you know re reinfigurating it and i kind of you know, we know what Finn can do and it's exciting to see him, but I hadn't really kind of, from the trailers, I hadn't really gauged her as someone that I, um, I thought she was just going to be really nerdy and not necessarily a character that I'd relate to, but she was fantastic and really, really grounded and just really human and kind of, yeah, was really written for her throughout. There's kind of like their friend who is just known as podcast because he walks around carrying a, a, a portable podcasting kit and is just podcasting the whole time was great fun. Uh, and he was a great character as well. Um, also interesting thing for you that might, you know, might just tip the scales for you. Uh, we get a clip from child's play of, <laughs> you know, the, in, of the movie child's play in this film. <laughs> really? That's right. Just saying, just saying, <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul Rudd basically is playing the, um, summer school, high school teacher that doesn't want to be there so he's basically in the back researching why there's all this um earthquake activity and he's just sticking on random horror movies for the summer school <laughs> kids to watch so kind of the opening class uh he sticks on Kujo, and then he sticks on chucky while uh child's play um so yeah that was fun and yeah i just had a really great time with it it really you know this movie i think is the ghostbusters version of force awakens where I think it's going to get its critics and everything else. And I think the biggest criticism is it does effectively tell the first story of Ghostbusters again. But guess what? I like the first story of Ghostbusters. I enjoyed this retelling of it. Like, I enjoyed them bringing Goza back into it. And and again, this, this is stuff that we kind of gauge from the trailer. But, you know, bringing Goza back into it, bringing the having the dogs, having that kind of thing, obviously... The little mini marshmallow man were absolutely adorable and hilarious in this movie and, and nailed it. And um, and then when we do actually get into the mythology of, you know, this is set, you know, this is Ghostbusters 3. This is exactly set in that world, clearly talking about the events of Ghostbusters 1 and 2, 
where everyone's at now obviously with this it's it's basically that egon has passed and um he's left this farmhouse to his estranged daughter um he basically went off to live on this farm in the middle of nowhere um to research goza and he foreseen the the coming back of goza and the end of the world and he was trying to stop it and basically became an outcast because of it and then passed away and so it's all about unearthing egon's story and kind of you know pulling on that heartstring really worked for me and then kind of we've seen in the trailer kind of dan Aykroyd already but then kind of you know seeing the casting and seeing what we're going to get from this when we when we got to see some of the um you know original um characters and that coming back like um you know obviously we see janine in the trailer as well like um i i loved all of it and when we get to the finale i think they they over pulled on nostalgia and the heartstrings maybe too much but i still had a blast and had a really good time it it made me tear up at the end it, it honestly <laughs> did and um like I said, I, I, I really fucking liked it. Like, it, it really surprised me because as we've gone through these weeks, I think kind of I've been worried and I thought this movie was at best going to be average. And I think, you know, for you, uh, as someone that's not a huge Ghostbusters fan, this movie probably is still average. You know, if I'm going to talk on it about a pure critical level, may, maybe it is. But as a fan of Ghostbusters and of that nostalgia, it's great. And it, and it ticks it. I think the soundtrack really nailed it as well. It felt like the Ghostbusters soundtrack. It was a continuation of that music, but it wasn't... Can you remember the video game that just played that music over and over yeah. and over and over again? And like when the video game started and it played that music, it was fun. And then when it did it 50 times, I got sick and tired of it. <laughs> like This is a new version of that music. It is an evolution. It's similar to what we said about Candyman, where it's not just you know, playing the theme, it is reiterating on it. And so, yeah, I, I honestly think this movie smashed exactly what it needed to do and, and absolutely nailed it. And yeah, I, I can't wait to see it again. I'm probably going to see it again at the cinema. <laughs> like, uh, it, it's it's good times. Ghostbusters is back. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Like, it's it's one of those <laughs> things where... I knew that was going to be your opening line. <laughs> no, I sincerely mean it, because I think if you're going to make a Ghostbusters movie yeah. now... To be honest, the only thing you need to like please is the yeah, is the crazy diehards like you. Yeah. So I don't like I don't see why else you even make a Ghostbusters mm. movie. And I, I don't know it's this weird juxtaposition because I joked earlier about it being a kids film, and obviously that's what they would they would want. Is kind of like you know like you mentioned before, Force Awakens. <clears throat> what that movie tries to do is like oh yeah, we're going to appease the 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 children from the eighties, which are now adults, and then hopefully get kids invested in this like do you think this could do that where where a child could just watch this and really love it i think it's a possibility i think because of like the stay puffed in particular and the way they do that and the way that the noose kind of the ghost that kind of looks like slimer from the trailers as well like they're both very kind of child oriented and i think you know the the cinema i went to was full of 35 year old men with their six seven year old kid Mm. like that's what that movie was i i I hardly saw any kind of mums in there it was just dads taking their kids to the cinema and it's like yeah just bored on their phones the whole time (laughs) well i i didn't i didn't interview him so i don't know but like (laughs) i i i I, I don't think so like i think they would have had fun i think it's one of those where it's exactly you know like i've brought 
like Ghostbusters toys for my kid just because they're fun for me. And I'm like, well, he likes toys. Like he doesn't care. A car's a car, but that's the Ecto one. So I'm going to buy that. And, you know, and I feel like that's what this is where it's like a kid can have a fun time with it while the dad is sitting there like tearing up at the emotional beats and the kind of, you know, callbacks and that sort of thing. And I think that's what it, it does well. It is a movie designed for, yeah, like 30 plus year old men to, to take their kids to and reminisce about going to see ghostbusters when they were a kid mm. yeah like i said i think it just it nails that and yeah you're right it doesn't need to appease anything else and, and nor should it it won't you know i don't think it will tip the scales and capture the zeitgeist like the original movies did or movie did in particular um but but so few movies do but if if it can those people's whose imagination it captured back then if it can just give them enjoyment again that's what it should be doing and and yeah like i say that's what it did for me at least there's one less movie that people will constantly ask for a sequel to as well. Yeah. It's like, we've ticked it off now. It's like Back to the Future is going to be the top of the list yeah, now. Where everyone's just going to be like yeah. crying for a fourth one of those. Like, do we um, re- like we don't need that, guys. Like, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, but now I just want Ghostbusters Afterlife 2. Oh, know? Christ. They, they, left, they left things open. They left things open. Wow. So in, in an over two-hour-long movie, they couldn't even wrap it up nicely. <laughs> oh, they did, but it had two post-credit scenes. <laughs> of course it did, because Marvel has infected everything. Two, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah. I need to see this movie because I like, I have to see it. Um, yeah, you do. I'm curious what effect it will have as someone who just likes Ghostbusters fine. Like, I'm like, yeah, they're two good movies that I haven't really thought about much since I saw them. So, like, I'm curious what effect it will have on me. Um, <laughs> the trailer did nothing for me. And, like, the, the, the more we saw it in the cinema, the more I gave a less of a shit about this film. Um, but uh, I will definitely watch it because, like, I've seen enough. Like, you're not an outlier. I've seen plenty of the hardcore Ghostbusters fans really like it as well. And then also just the general reception has been positive. Mm. Like, it hasn't been... I haven't even... I wouldn't even say it's been mixed. I'd say, like, the people that have watched it, which probably isn't a shit ton of people, but the people who have watched it seem to really like it. Um, mm. so, yeah, yeah, that's what I've seen. And like I say, I, I'm I'm very happy. That's good. Um, Which makes me really happy as well, because I, I really just wasn't expecting that. Like, I, I, like those couple of weeks getting closer, my, you know, I was genuinely super pumped for that movie. And then kind of as the weeks got closer, I was I was more feigning excitement because I was getting more and more worried that this movie <laughs> was going to be trash. Like I was having flashbacks of the Ghostbusters movie that does not get named, you know, and I was just thinking... I was hyped for that movie, <laughs> like, and there was a lot of signs telling me not to be hyped. And this one had a lot more to tell me to be hyped, but still, you know, temper expectations. But I didn't need to. I shouldn't have worried. It was a home run. Well, it's so weird when you get like these these installments in these franchises because obviously another big one that's coming up is The Matrix, mm. and like it's really weird for me because I adore the Matrix trilogy so much, and for years I've wanted a new Matrix, and like. Now it's just around the corner. I don't know if it's the timing or not, but I'm so not ready for it at all. Like, I really don't like the release window. I think all of my kind of thoughts have been put on Spider-Man and kind Mm. of really excited for it, really don't want every single thing about this movie spoiled before I watch it. And it's like, oh, here's another trailer. Thank you, Marvel. Um, Like, I mean, let's just talk about that for a minute. Like, their their marketing has been disgusting for the new Spider-Man movie. It's the most disgusting of I'm, I'm so pissed off with them because I'm, I'm thinking back to 2018 when we had Endgame and how 
they didn't tell us anything about this movie and they no. just they believed in the audience which in a sense of like we know you're going to support this movie and i do think that covid has obviously fucked everything because they're so yeah. worried about releasing a spider-man movie that doesn't make a shit ton of money and so they're like oh we're gonna have to tell everyone like it's so ridiculous everything. to me that it's first of all it's spider-man he's the biggest guy in marvel hands down so that should be enough anyway but then you've also got like the baked in mcu audience where it's like they're going to see eternals they're going to see shang chi like that there's already that audience and then it's like on top of that you then constantly have to feel the need to bring up like like the the very idea that i even know that there's potentially you know legacy characters returning is Mm -hmm. like mind-blowing yeah i I know you made a good point about this a while ago talking about how specifically with spider-man they have fucked with it in the past Mm -hmm. because like they, they you know they showed his reveal in the mcu in the trailer and so, like, they have been more awful with, I guess, Spider-Man in terms well, of spoilers than any other character my, in the my MCU. My question to you is how much of that is Sony's influence on Spider-Man within the probably, MCU? Probably, yeah. I mean, it, it, you're probably spot on because yeah. their, their dirty mitts are all over this movie. Yeah, because you look at, you know, the most one of the most egregious trailers that we've seen is the, the goddamn... Uh, um, venom trailer mm. and now we're getting morbius shoved down our throat where yeah. it's saying from the studio that brought you <laughs> spider-man yeah i know <laughs> you know which which triggers me so oh, like so i'm morbius is a movie that i'm kind of interested in seeing like yeah, i like um, the cast and like i like the idea but like it's almost a horror that, film <laughs> yeah but that trailer makes me so angry i almost want to boycott it mm. because i'm just like you can't you, you're lying so much like yeah. oh, it triggers me well we've but said yeah. that in the past where it's like what does the casual audience think and it's like mm. well if they're going to see that in the trailer they're just going to think morbius is like part of the mcu like there isn't going to be these distinctions between an actual quality film studio and marvel studio and yeah. an abysmal uh, film studio and Sony Pictures who who make time and time again absolute stinkers. But yeah, it's very frustrating where it's like it really has killed a lot of my excitement. Like, don't get me wrong. The second I'm in the cinema and the movie starts, mm. I'm sure I'm going to have a great time. At least I hope that I do. And I hope I really enjoy it. But like, man, this experience the last few months has been awful. It has been like truly woeful mm. trying to avoid everything every day yeah. on Twitter. It's has a new character poster. And like, again, as another small tangent, like I already saw we've already seen Eternals. But mm. like there's a big character and actor reveal in the end credits of that movie yeah i saw them they're posting character posters with this guy's face on it already on twitter and it's really? like the movie's been out for it was like 10 days after release and yeah. they were already spoiling it on twitter yeah, well, they were like that with endgame though i remember how quickly like marvel were happy to spoil endgame i don't know you know because i oh, i feel like I'd, see, I I disagree. I I know I disagree because there, there was a, there was a lot of like don't spoil the the main character death May, at the end maybe, of the game. I guess maybe like two or three weeks, but certainly mm. like I would say it was, it was more than that. Quick. Honestly, I I remember yeah, maybe, them being pretty was, good with that because but... I remember the the directors, the Russo brothers, put out that director's note of like please don't spoil it and stuff. So it's like yeah, but I felt I, I honestly felt like that was more like opening weekend, and then as soon as we got like a couple of weeks removed, it was it was all bets are off. Yeah, either they released, way. like a spoiler trailer at one point. I know they did, but I, for me, but, in yeah. my knowledge, it was far off past it. But it doesn't yeah, really I'll, matter. I mean, but we're still talking apples and oranges because this is yeah. egregious. How they're doing the Spider-Man is a whole nother level because 
yeah, I'm trying to actively avoid the new trailers. And like, I had it, I had the new trailer for while watching Ghostbusters, and it mm. was like, just I could hear voices, and I'm like, well, I know whose fucking voice that is, and I'm yeah. like, I'm sitting here in the cinema like an idiot with my eyes closed, and I'm still getting stuff spoiled because I, you know, I can't help it. It's so loud. What can I do? It's really like it's just weird, is how I find it. Because like I'm the fan who loves it all, who goes to the to the mm-hmm. cinema to support these movies, and so they're really pissing me off. Yep. Like I'm the person who gives them the money, and then I'm like, but all the other people who are the, in the same boat as me who love it, they're just happy, and they're like, oh, they get to watch the trailer and be excited. But I'm like, wouldn't you rather have that feeling watching the film? Like I feel yeah. like you're taking that away from yourself like the people that watch the trailers and really get into it and it's like oh you know i can't believe this guy's returning i'm like wouldn't that be sick if you saw that in the film like i don't know i feel like there's this big disconnect now where it's like people are just happy because people, it's are, happening. people are just accepting yeah exactly yeah and they're not actually thinking about well actually no. the act the best part of movies is going to watch the damn movie and having a mm. great time watching it to me, it's not fun if someone just tells me what happens in the movie three months before I see it. Or not even tells me, shows me in a trailer yeah. multiple times. Like, I don't know. It's frustrating. But, um, yeah, we've talked about a billion different things. That was basically my point about Matrix, which is, like, I'm not ready for the Matrix at all. Um, no. I've You know, I have seen the trailer now, and I, it, it, I'm pretty indifferent on it. Like, I don't think it sucks. I think it's a pretty good trailer. I just watch it, and I'm like, I, now I don't know if I need another Matrix movie, I guess is my main thoughts. But, um <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for it but uh yeah i did watch a few things actually i wanted to talk about real quick um yeah so actually they're all kind of together this is this is my hellraiser segment um oh, Christ. so yeah but, Jesus well, wept. yeah i didn't just watch one hellraiser movie in the past week i've watched a couple um but i want to start with the more interesting aspect which is that i actually read uh hellbound heart as well <laughs> Um, which is worth talking about because, yeah, kind of, you know, there's been so much talk recently of Hellbound Heart and kind of like this new movie of Hellraiser and all, all this talk of we're bringing it back to the roots of the book. And I feel like just as a hardcore Hellraiser fan, I yeah. owed it to myself to read it. Um, yeah, so sure. I at least had that kind of knowledge and standpoint. And and for starters, like, I adored it. I absolutely loved the book from start to finish. Like, obviously, it's a very small book. Um, but it was just fantastic. It, it To me, it was so i mean this is getting into i guess the second point but like it is so similar to the movie where you know there is a couple of small changes but other than that it is a perfect um kind of version is the only thing that's different because she is uh like a love interest to uh um what's he called in the book Oh, he's called like Percy, I think, or something. Oh, it's it's, it's a different name, yeah, because it's not yeah. it's not Larry. It's obviously no, it's you, you have Frank and yeah. Kirsty and Julia. Yeah. Um But yeah, and then and then and they're not father and daughter in the book, are they? No, it's it she, is, she's like she's like a friend who's kinda like a mm. not a love interest, but she lusts for him. Yeah. You know? And like, and yeah, and he doesn't really see her that way. Like he likes no, having her he around, her but he's yeah. yeah, he's so attracted to Julia and that's kinda yeah. like why he fell in love with her. But um yeah, like you say, there's a few small things, but like other than that, it's the same story. You know, it's all about Julia and Frank. It's yeah. about him kind of, you know, opening the puzzle box being consumed and then kind of like the blood splatting on the ground and obviously julia having to like bring these men to the house Mm. and kill them and it's just it's so awesome and i think 
you know, I haven't read a Clive Barker book before, and I loved his style of writing so much where, mm. you know, I've read, like, a few King stuff, and obviously I'm a big Joe Hill fan, but, like, he was definitely one of my favorites. Just he's so descriptive in the way he gets things across that I I loved it. The way he describes the macabre, the way mm. he describes kind of gore is just different to anyone else you know it's really the, like the, poetry isn't it the way yeah. he does it yeah yeah sometimes it is like so um yeah i have been listening to scarlet gospels and like um it it sometimes like it it, it goes over my head because it's over too quick and because i'm listening to it i don't get a chance to re-read it because it is sometimes very much like poetry and it is mm. moving at such a pace. Like you need to be paying very. Yeah. There was multiple pages in this that I read yeah, it multiple times. Cause yeah, it was definitely. just like, Oh, here's all this crazy, especially when they get into the detail on like the Cenobites and stuff yeah. where it's just, it's so interesting, but yeah, I loved it. And I, I do think that, I do find a, a lot of the conversations around it, again, it just backs up my initial point where I'm glad I've read it now because I can say it with full confidence of like, I don't get where people are coming from no, when they talk no, about changes insane. like yeah. to, to, you know, the original movie and stuff. It's like, this is 99% that book. It's yeah. it's adapted by the man perfectly. who wrote the book. Yeah. It's like, I don't get how, if you can, if you can come to it now with a modern eye and be like, we're going to go straight to the novel now. I'm like, well, you're just fucking remaking Hellraiser. Like, I hate to tell it to you, but that's literally what you're doing. Yeah. Because otherwise, you're not adapting Hellbound Heart if you're not telling a story which is primarily about Julia and Frank, because that's what the book is yeah. and that's what Hellraiser is. Um, I remember when I read it, though, I had the exact same reaction to you because we've been told for so many years. Mm. how different hellbound heart is yeah. I, I was expecting to read like this weird thing that would have like maybe a cenobite in it mm. you know and then suddenly i read hellraiser the novel yeah and was like that's the thing oh. the, the biggest change is the title and so i think mm. that's what gives people that ground to try and claim yeah. that it's different because it's not just called hellraiser like well actually it's hellbound heart and it's like no it's it's this it's the same story mm. by the same guy who adapted mm. it brilliantly like mm -hmm. so yeah i'm glad i read it i'm definitely going to read scarlet gospels as well yeah. um that'll probably be it's, next year it's pretty wild yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, and then on on less positive Hellraiser news, um, I yes, yeah, so I watched yeah. <laughs> Hellraiser three and four. Um, nice. Which let me tell you, Hellraiser two looks a hell of a lot better in comparison. <laughs> um, <laughs> so give me your history because you've never seen four. Where have I've you never been seen on four. three before? I've seen three because obviously yeah. I got the Arrow collection, yeah, so I've, okay. I have seen it. Um, yeah. And yeah, kind of immediately, you know, off the back of two, it's like oh okay this is where it really changes directions quickly because <laughs> they did such a good job of two of of, of replicating the mm. tone of the first movie yeah. and kind of the the same consistent themes are present i think the way the cenobites are used the is music. perfect yeah the music and then obviously the legacy characters like it's yeah. a you know it's an original story that they obviously made for two but like kirsty is fantastic as the lead in hellraiser 2 and then i love all the stuff with julian and frank like i mentioned when i talked oh about God, that yeah. sequel like it's so genius the fact that she's like the one who fucks him over in the sequel like i just i love all of that stuff with those three characters and obviously like the chinard stuff like he's again another amazing character and he's one of the f the first true characters because frank is obviously he's in it loads but it's post his 
mix up with the puzzle box like seeing that character who is truly lusting for the layman well, configuration and also getting what he desired as well yeah, like he's exactly. happy with the outcome i was gonna say he, frank wanted it and then when he got it he realized he didn't want it whereas mm. chinard wanted it like yeah. frank has learned to enjoy his own version of hell by the time we get to hellraiser 2 but he would certainly kind of. be in the real world again <laughs> if he could well, I think he's trying to be because, yeah, if you remember, yeah. it's all these women that are kind of lusting for him, but he never gets yeah. to have them. And so it's no. like they're teasing him over and over yeah. again. Yeah, um, but he's kind of, I think he has learned to kind of, you know, get something from it, but mm. still like pure fucking torture mostly. Yeah, but, yeah well, he certainly didn't have the chin art effect. No, like when he says, like, to think, I hesitated. It's just, it's yeah. so perfect for that character. Yeah. But yeah, g- getting into free, free is mm-hmm. such your run of the mill, like, oh, we just make another one of these mm. where obviously a lot of crazy shit happens in two of like killing a lot of the Cenobites. And I do appreciate that that actually means something where it's, they're not just like normal in this one, but like you get into some weird stuff. Like Doug Bradley is just way overused in this movie where we have like him as his previous self. The, um, the, the soldier guy yeah who's like constantly talking to our lead in these like dream sequences and it's almost like his soul is now trapped because pinhead has become like its own entity once like the dude um you know resurrects him on earth where pinhead is basically just killing people you know mm. it's not about the box it's not about that that want for pleasure and then kind of like the pain that comes with it it is just i'm basically just a serial killer yeah he's um, basically like i want him to become freddy krueger like i want him to be that sort of icon yeah well it, well and it's also he's just like jason really he's just mm. like oh I, i'm just random killer now who can just kill mm. people and so it's so boring and it's it's fun like as a dumb you know horror movie of that era there's a lot to enjoy a lot of the violence i think the some of the new cenobites certainly, like the cd guy and stuff is pretty fun <laughs> certainly top 50 percent of hellraiser movies as well <laughs> yeah because like i say it to me it, it was like a fun horror movie but as a hellraiser movie i don't really want to think about it that way and, and, and like i say it really made me appreciate the sequel because i was like oh this really mm. did feel like a continuation of hellraiser and then you get to four which is just awful like <laughs> the, the drop off from like feel- 50% of Hellraiser movies <laughs> just telling you well the thing is they're you're, all going to be the same you're... level of garbage no because the thing you you get the first movie which is like elite like the you know s tier that as good as it gets for horror movies you get the sequel which is a super well done sequel to it and then you get the third movie which is like okay it's a fun horror movie it doesn't really feel like hellraiser the fourth movie has nothing going for it it starts and it's it's, one in space yeah it starts Mm. and it's like 2079 at a space station and i should have switched it off after the first two (laughs) minutes but i couldn't help myself and then it's like okay it's this dude who's got this like terminator ripoff robot um this like opening the box by proxy basically and during the course of that there's like a bunch of people coming into the space station um for what reason i don't know just like space police and then this one girl is interviewing him and he's basically telling his story and it starts in like the 18th century with <laughs> the original toy maker um, of the kind of the puzzle box, which is an interesting 
dynamic because there's a lot of talk of Le Marchand in uh, Hellbound Heart Um, and so to kind of like okay that's interesting but just the stuff in that that period just is terrible like it looks shit it's poorly acted it's uninteresting it's like the 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 dude basically makes the box for a guy and then the guy's crazy and then all hell breaks loose that's basically the story and so it's just rubbish and then we kind of jump to the 90s and it's like another descendant of the toy maker is like an architect who's like designing buildings in new york and he makes this like giant skyscraper that looks like the layman configuration and it's just it's so it's such nonsense and again it's just not fun and it's just it's just boring and then we kind of get the finale of the movie like the last 20 minutes which is like finally on the space station and that stuff's all right it's not terrible like it's it's obviously dumb because it's pinhead and a bunch of Cenobites on a space station, which is inherently stupid. But, like, at least it's fun stupid. Um, but the finale of the movie is ridiculous, where basically it's like the woman is interviewing... He's he's like another generation of the toy maker, this guy, who's like, mm. once and for all, you know, I'm going to stop, because that's why it's called Bloodline, Hellraiser Bloodline. Um, and it's all about this, like, the bloodline of the original toy maker of the box. And so, yeah, he's tracked down the box, and he's got this plan to kill, you know, Cenobites and this portal to hell for good. And, yeah, he basically, he solves the box, and then they basically just go off on a little, like, um, escape pod him and the girl who's been interviewing for the whole movie and then the entire space station molds (laughs) into like a giant layman configuration in space and then just explodes and then the movie just ends immediately with credits yeah and you're like okay like like he he just spent an hour and 20 minutes telling a story (laughs) and then his plan just worked instantly (laughs) with no tension whatsoever it's just like by pinhead and the cenobites and that's still still canon that's that's how it ends everything else has been a prequel (laughs) i wouldn't surprise me because it's pretty definitive (laughs) but Yeah. yeah it's it, it was atrocious and like i couldn't believe how and i think like i am starting to realize now why hellraiser doesn't have the the credit it deserves <laughs> because it's like oh yeah there's a lot more of these and i'm sure they're going to get worse but this is already yeah like this this is already unwatchable so it's like yeah. i don't know how you can get worse than unwatchable but i'm sure they will because um, i never thought that you'd go down like a rabbit hole as bad as my puppet master <laughs> journey but you've 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 done it and yeah you've got my love of hellraiser has really broken me you've you've at least got to go a little bit further because oh yeah i'll see the next one brilliant that's all i needed to hear <laughs> because these movies still are trying to be hellraiser movies i don't know I, want... I would i would say from the second one they're not hellraiser movies <laughs> okay they're trying to be pinhead movies yeah yeah uh, because they stop ceasing to be that pretty quickly yeah, um, and I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, they just stop being like detective stories yeah, at detective some point, movies, and then like Pinhead rocks up for the last ten minutes and just says like, "I'm going to tear your soul apart." And then, yeah, and then, I remember like, that film in. that we saw for the podcast. Um, yeah, that was one of the better ones. <laughs> that that still could have been top half. Like... <laughs> yeah, it's it is like mind blowing just how. Mm. And I think it's what's funny. I think I read as well that this this fourth movie was the last one that was out in cinemas. Yeah. 
and it was the last one that Clive Barker even put his name on. <laughs> he was like, oh, yeah, I'll take the check as executive producer for that one. But I, even after this point, he was like, I'm done. Yeah, I don't even like, have money for this anymore. He's like, I don't even want the 80 quid that these movies are going to make. Like, yeah. it's not worth it. So, um, not, not worth it to my reputation. Yeah, fun times. I should have just stuck with the uh, the first two movies, really. In no, the you've, you've, made, you've made your decision. <laughs> I have made a decision, that's for sure. <laughs> um... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, what else should we talk about other than Chucky? Um, so yeah, I mean, I've been watching a shit ton of TV. <laughs> I think I'm going to keep it quite brief. Um, yeah, we could talk about some next week as well. Yeah, well, the only thing I was going to say was that, so continue to watch in Day of the Dead. It's continuing to be fun. I think mm. um, another show that um, it's like putting a body count on certain characters that i wasn't expecting like i almost feel like anyone can die at any moment in the show which is fun for what this show needs to be like mm. having watched walking dead for so many years i'm conditioned to being like well no one's gonna die like i know we're i know this is only season one six episodes but like there's been ma- major characters that i didn't that i thought were going to be a main staple that are dead and just gone you know and so that's that's fun and it makes it, it makes it interesting and it has been enjoyable um I wanted to briefly just talk about 4400 because we've mentioned it quite a lot on the show and I've watched the first episode now and you spoke about it earlier how these movies try to give a message and try to capture a movement and and a you know an, an agenda and and I don't want to be too damning on it because it's because I don't want to you know delve into it too much but it really basically a a very large percentage of the returned 4400 characters in this remake are uh black and then it is massively um going into all of the you know issue that's going on right now police you know the fact that they're all being locked up against their will and kind of you know making that commentary a lot about race and a lot about you know the the first episode was pretty much all about that and not really about why characters have returned and why they're starting to show abilities and all of that stuff um so that you know to me was a shame that they're kind of focusing on you know like i say i'm not trying to get a get into whether it's good or bad that they're focusing on it it's just the fact that a show that should be focusing on remaking the 4400 is just 100 percent just focusing on message and yeah that 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 was a shame and i, and I don't think i'm going to continue watching it I, I i didn't think i would anyway with the 4400 because that original show was very special for very particular reasons and i don't need you know if i if i wanted to watch a remake of the 4400 i would have watched heroes and i never watched heroes and then i would have watched the reboot of heroes and I didn't watch that. So, like, you know, I, I didn't think this would stick. But, yeah, it, it's not going to stick. Yeah, I I never even considered watching it. Like, well, I remember hearing about it and I was like, man, it's weird that they are bringing back 4400. But it was a great show at the time. And like I say, there is, there is a billion of these, like, sci-fi offshoots. And I think it just having that name means nothing to me because yeah. it's not going to be any of the original creators or the cast or anything. Um, and so, and also, like, 
uh, it's not to be too damning, but like I've never seen anything with the CW attached to it that I think is any good. Um, no. So like it's they're just not a channel that I think breathes any sort of quality to me. It screams like they can make sci-fi on a ridiculously low budget and they somehow get just enough people to watch it to maybe somehow make money until they yeah. cancel these shows. Um, so, yeah, I was never going to watch that. I'll always just have the the memories of the good show, Definitely. the forty four hundred. If you were there at the time, people will remember. <laughs> there was there wasn't many of us, but the people that did watch it very much appreciated it and liked it. It was um, a fantastic show. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, and yeah, before we go into Chucky, there was just one more thing I wanted to touch upon, which was that I've watched uh, eight episodes now of uh, a little show called Mindhunter. Oh, nice! <laughs> You've been watching so much stuff; it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like last week because like, you should probably watch mine Tony. like yeah I just watch eight I episodes watch eight episode. yeah. like, when we do a TV special you're like oh, I don't know if I can watch these like two episodes for a TV well, special I'm, I'm doing a lot of other things while I'm watching these shows um, whereas when I do something for the show I don't I don't like to half ass it I'm not saying I don't always you know give it my full attention but i at least try mm-hmm. whereas yeah like I could I could do these for something else and yeah with Mindhunter like um it's incredibly well made and well acted and the first couple of episodes really grabbed me i think kind of um i don't know whether we because we get these little vignettes at the start of an episode of like this killer like living in his life and doing things and like clearly he's gonna mingle with our main cast at some point but Mm. um like that's not happened yet and i definitely am a little bit like okay they're kind of you know, I don't really care about the detective's home life with his kid and like this bloke with the girlfriend. I like her, but like I don't care if they have ups and downs. Like, and it, it's it's kind of you know going a little bit long in the tooth. I need them to get stuck into a meaty case because they kind of interview these killers, move on to new ones, and then and kind of solve the cases that they're in quite quickly. And I want them to be more in a long long term manhunt. Um, mm. So I'm hoping that's what develops because I'm I'm definitely really enjoying it. Like it probably sounds like I'm a little bit down on it, but I'm I'm not. I just I I just want it to to kind of go get a little bit more meaty instead of you know the the high level of kind of um, the same kind of conversations that come into play. But but yeah, I still I still do really like it. Hence why I watched eight episodes in a week. <laughs> yeah. I would say that it's that is mostly what the show is, is kind mm. of like they're mostly coming to a lot of cases that are solved. Um, and I will say in regards to those like short little clip snippets that you're seeing, I wouldn't focus on them too much. No, okay. As, I, I as someone who has like... seen like two seasons of the show, I wouldn't worry about them that much. Um <laughs> And I I, I do think season two will offer more for what you're after because there is definitely more prolonged cases. And I also think that the outside of the work stuff becomes way more interesting in Mm. season two, in particular, the guy and his with the relationship with his son. So like some of the stuff in that is so good in season two. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, I I I can see the crux of it because obviously the way that they're doing this character study on the killers and they're Mm. not just applying it to killers. They, they're applying it to psychology in general. And obviously Mm. like his son is a big kind of case study. If you want to put it like that, you know what he's got going on and, why he's not talking and everything else so like yeah i can imagine if they do delve into that it can be more fun but but right now but yeah i'm like i said i'm definitely enjoying it it's nice to see uh the the kind of main lady from fringe i i, I didn't realize she was in it 
Oh yeah, exactly. Um, like the lead, like other woman is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's so it's great seeing her in something again, and like enjoying seeing her. So yeah, and um, yeah, pretty much like I say, even like um, the girlfriend character, like I like them. I like I like her a lot as a character. It's just like I don't really care if they have an up and down in, in a relationship. I just kind of like their little bit of screen time, but then want to get back to the main meat of the bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah, show's great. It's fun. Um, but yeah, I guess we should uh, ch- talk about some Chucky to end it, really. Um, so it. yeah, full full spoiler warning for episode six of Chucky, mm-hmm. um, which was yeah off the back of kind of the, the legacy characters returning in episode five. Um, and yeah, we just, I mean, it just, it just keeps, to me, it just keeps getting better and better every single week. Like, yeah. you know, the, we kind of get like the amazing, well, we get like the poker sequence between uh, Jennifer and Fiona oh, that God, was so great. good. Um, yeah. especially as someone who has, has really gotten into poker recently and specifically because Jennifer Tilly is like amazing oh, at poker. She's crazy at poker. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've, I've watched so much of her play poker very nice. recently and she, and it's fascinating to watch. And so to see that get brought into the show, that yeah, she's fucking brilliant. Like, like when she's just bluffing people, it's fantastic. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great to like, I just love that as just another element to it, especially because. Ooh. Again, you forget that, like, she's this is the character Tiffany Valentine in Jennifer Tilly's yeah, actual body in the canon but of the show. We we haven't really had explored that fully because no. obviously it happens in Seed, yeah, and it happens end, yeah. towards the end of Seed, mm. and then obviously in Colt, Tiff really just returns at the very end, and yep. we don't get to have her talk about the fact that she is Jennifer Tilly. You know, yeah. she is just Tiffany reunited with Chucky because we don't get to see her interact with anyone else but yeah it was like when we got her with the uh, estate agent mm. and how she's like do you want my signature i'm like why do they want tiffany's signature i was like <laughs> oh no that's jennifer tilly yeah it's like it's 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 a whole like whole level of meta that that's really difficult to get your head around <laughs> yeah just another moving part to this show that like it somehow <laughs> manages to like keep track of it all um but yeah oh yeah and that was it like with episode six like the character deaths in particular yeah like obviously the the kind of the mum character who has been yeah, a real shocking. massive character in terms of like what she's going through and like her reveal of her having cancer and all that stuff and then like i couldn't believe when like no. when they're setting it up and you know it's that traditional great like child's play chucky kill and it's like oh here's the open window he's pushing the trolley and i'm like i was like surely not like they're trolling us here and like something's gonna happen at the last second and then like when it happened and it was like super super visceral on the car as well like i i thought needed (laughs) it it looked exceptional and i think that's one of those moments where they could have easily shown the budget and that could have been one of those moments where you're like ah this is where Mm. you know this this franchise now lacks being on tv and it totally wasn't that that this felt perfectly in line with what we've seen in all of the films for me um and was yeah just really shocking and it's like what they've done to these these kids now um with killing these parents is like they're really putting them in a messed up place heading into like these last few episodes they can become you know chucky and tiff again yeah i know but i i just i love it and i i've i i cannot wait for the finale next week um i've i've already seen episode seven as well so we'll talk about like the last two next week or yeah in our next show when we talk about resident Mm. evil 
but um i just yeah if this show ends the way it has been recent weeks this has what been one of my favorite things of the year it's like i it started off good and like as we were discussing i was like okay this is cool it's great to see chucky on the small screen and we're having a blast with him as a character and what's been i guess interesting in episode five and six is like the lack of chucky almost yeah. where he really as i guess a killer doll like he hasn't been yeah, in it as much say, yeah the, the good guy doll is very you know few and far between yeah like he obviously popped up for those big kills which were great moments but yeah the the dialogue has been like our new characters and then obviously our legacy characters which are fantastic to see um oh yeah and obviously we got like the reintroduction of, of more legacy characters in yeah. episode six yeah so we got andy and kind of you know him now joining the gang and like obviously that happened at the beginning of of episode six and it was mm. funny how like he has been brought into play and then obviously yeah not only andy who is a legacy character but from recent movies we now have uh, like i is it the same actress yeah that's his for yeah, yeah. foster sister yeah because i assumed like it would be yeah. that's what this this franchise does <laughs> you know unlike unlike halloween you know let's let's bring back a legacy character and recast them with an awful actor it's like mm. no no like she's good and she is the original actress which is which is fucking great so like yeah, that's like, the thing that, that really blows awesome. my mind about Andy, where it's like he mm. was this child actor in the original Charles mm. play who like really hasn't been in much. And like he's good. Like he's he genuinely good. good. He, he's not like amazing by any stretch. No. But, like he he serves he he he's believable as Andy. I look at that character and I'm like, oh, yeah, that is a guy who went through some shit as a kid yeah. and is now you know his sole purpose his life's mission is to like end chucky's like what you know life on this world and i think yeah, that reintroduction say, that's not was an perfect. easy thing to pull off by someone that's no. like just a complete uh amateur mm. you know and or you know someone that's hasn't been acting and then suddenly comes back to it you've got to be able to display that emotion and he really does and I, again, I love the way they were reintroduced of like, again, back off the back of Colt and everything we know about what happened. The fact that they are these two kind of like Chucky hunters mm. where it's like they're going around, they're checking social media, they, you know, they're checking yeah. all these areas of like looking for good guy dolls. And then they obviously, they, it's, it's just the perfect reintroduction where they're like doing this census and they're like, oh yeah, you know, we asked the kid about their toys to make them feel like they're part of it. And so mm. they're like interviewing the kid about their toys yeah, or whatever, like. Yeah, and then, like, the fact that they then kill that Chucky doll or whatever, and then at that point, it's like, they say, you know, oh, there's only, what, one that they haven't kind of tracked down yeah. at this point. So, again, it's like, it it, it ties together, because the end of Colt was so crazy, mm. and then already they kind of stripped it down to be like, okay, in the interim, they've, they've tracked yeah, they've down a lot of some. these Chucky dolls now. So, like, to our knowledge, it seems to only be, like, the Chucky from this show in the in the doll, and obviously, like, the chucky that's in nika pierce do you think like he, do you think he's horcruxed himself do you think we're gonna get like you know he has split his soul so many times and that's how many are out there i think so like it felt yeah. infinite in cult didn't it and like mm. it feels like it's more finite in this and like you know we uh, it would be good to have a definitive number and like chip away at them i hope it's more than what they've alluded to because i want there to be more chucky dolls for them to destroy yeah but um I think certainly having like, you know, oh, there are now five Chucky dolls and he needs to do a quite a crazy thing to split his soul again, like mm. would, be, would be good to tether the, the show in or tether the Chucky world in something that, that can be with uh, restrained, I guess, because it felt like Chucky was too off the rails, like and it needed to be tethered somehow. Mm -hmm. 
the one the one thing that I'm misremembering now, and I want to see if you know the answer to this, is like at the end of Cult of Chucky, mm-hmm. we get Tiffany is in the car with um, Nika, or uh, obviously being possessed by Chucky, and they're like sitting in the front of the car, and I swear, is is the Tiffany doll? Yeah, in the back seat, alive. Yeah, and is it talking? Yeah. So, so, so that yeah, means that, that. Yeah. no. So obviously, so Tiffany is like she split her She's soul as well. well. Yeah. So I wonder, yeah, because I'm always because they have shown the Tiffany doll in like the pre in like moments, haven't they? In like flashbacks in these episodes yeah. when they've shown like Jennifer and stuff. Yeah, so like, like they've made us aware that you know there is a female doll as well. Because I really want to see like that doll, like the original, yeah. you know, Tiffany Brider Chucky style doll. Um, yeah, I was just couldn't remember if I was misremembering or not, but I'm like, yeah, she, you know, she's not, she's she's not just in Jennifer Tilly's body at this point. No. Yeah. So that'd be cool if they introduced that as well. There's so much they can do. I'm having an absolute blast with this show every week. I'm looking forward to it. It's gotten better and better. You know, when, when we, when we first started speaking about it, I kind of said how this show is really good fun. It's a fun Chucky story and it's Mm. a fun continuation of that world, but it's not what ash versus evil dead was for the evil dead franchise yeah it's it's now become that like it's become a definitive continuation of the chucky franchise and to be honest with you i would love the chucky franchise to just continue in this world now and have a few Mm. seasons of this because we'd get so much more jennifer tilly so much more nika than we'd ever get in the movie world so fuck yeah oh yeah So, yeah, this is yeah, awesome. Like, I'm really happy. I would be so like you say. I I am desperate for this to get an announcement of season mm. two. I like it's getting. You know, I am seeing people talking about it on socials and that. So I just hope that people are watching this because yeah, this definitely. is fantastic. It, it is like fast becoming one of my favorite things of this year and already is really in recent like the last three weeks and mm. like say going into the finale i couldn't be more excited for it um so yeah we'll be we'll be talking about will the finale deliver as well as uh, a brand new resident evil movie <laughs> what it's like we just live in a world where this is what i was talking about at the start of the show when i was th- thinking about like our favorite things this has been such a year for like us. i just watched a ghostbusters movie I that i love <laughs> like you know <laughs> yeah it really is mad where it's like and that's the bring thing on even scream bring on yeah. scream that's all i say yeah so i'll be <laughs> in the coming months i get to watch a new matrix movie and a new scream movie it's just it's weird and like you say i hope that they're all good because yeah you know when you see like spiral and it sucks that's disappointing yeah. and but then yeah you you get to see a great ghostbusters movie chucky's fantastic and yeah it's it's so good and yeah we get to see resident evil on the big screen and like you say even though we're pretty i guess you know tempered excitement for the movie but it it is at least a realization of the video games for the first time i'm pretty excited because i i I feel like this is going to be a a, you know i felt like the like when i talked about ghostbusters that was a good movie that i absolutely fucking loved Mm -hmm. i think this will be a bad movie that i really like (laughs) 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 that's why yeah i I have higher expectations than that to be honest (laughs) Like, if it's if anything, look, if Resident Evil's bad, that will always piss me off because I've been there and I've been when Resident Evil sucks and it's and it really sucks and I've been there when Resident Evil is 
the best thing. You know, Resident Evil 7 is the best horror game. Resident Evil Village is an amazing sequel. It's, I mean, it's, it's nominated for Game of the Year. It's one of the best games released this year was a Resident Evil game. So, like, that's the standard when Resident Evil's at its best. And I will always hold... I Listen, I know a Resident Evil movie is not going to be one of the best movies of the year. But I can dream that I'll live in that world one day. Um, but of course, we, I'll just take may. an enjoyable an enjoyable Resident Evil movie, for sure. <laughs> um, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, bro. But yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting times. Like I say, it's, we- it's weird being in the tail end of the year and we've still got so much to talk about, mm. like, <laughs> like in coming weeks. Um, I know. Wow. But uh, yeah, that was episode number 275, where we talked about another brilliant movie, in fact, in Black Friday. Uh, thanks for listening, as and always. We'll see you again. <sighs> see you later, everyone. Shut up, I can't Mainly because I never could How could I start that?